Welcome everyone to another episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. Today's episode is something very different compared to what we've done previously on this podcast. Today is a discussion of a book written by a previous guest who has shared his background as well as his book to the world. I've brought in somebody who is really cool and we're going to talk about this book because it does go with their age and issues and it's written at the level that they are at here today. And so the English teacher in me loves having conversations about books and especially with this age level. Now, that previous episode that I mentioned took place on January 31st. And that's when I talked to Greg Howard about his new young adult novel, The Visitors. Various topics were discussed during that episode, but we especially focused on the impact on young adult readers who are reading books with queer characters close to the same age to them. Immediately after getting the book, I sent it to Cade, who you're going to be meeting here today, who very quickly read it. Now we get to talk about it. So I'm thrilled finding out more about the book, finding out more about Cade and what's interesting in the world of reading. Now, before I bring Cade to your screen and or your listening ears, Tales of the 2S LGBTQ Plus is a weekly video and audio podcast that showcases the remarkable people found within our rainbow community. By listening to our stories, which happen to be your stories, we gain insight, understanding, and connection. So let's continue to connect on a weekly basis, being introduced to amazing people and topics, being smitten once again. If you're listening on the audio podcast sites, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, please make sure that you give us a starred rating, a review that does help us with the algorithms. And especially if you are watching us here today on YouTube, be sure to press subscribe, let people know as well about us. Word of mouth is the best way. I'm based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, as is my guest Cade. And it's important for me to say that as I'd like to acknowledge that we live within Treaty 6 territory and within the Métis homelands and Métis nation of Alberta Region 4, a traditional meeting ground, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Sado, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. We both acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. We are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who came before us and those who are with us today. We open ourselves to listen, learn and understand, and we hope you take this journey with us as we discover the truth. We make this acknowledgement as an act of reconciliation and gratitude to those on whose territory we reside. As I may mention, today's a very different episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, because we're talking about a book, a book that we didn't have a hand in writing, but we had a hand in reading and we're thrilled to be able to talk about. And so now's the time to be able to bring my guest today, Cade, to your screen. Welcome, Cade. Thank you for doing this. This is great for you to do so. And for background, you are one of our go-to people for Pride Corner on White every Friday night. When there's something that has to be done, I know I look for you in the crowd and I know it's going to get done. And you are one of those young leaders that we're excited about. You're going to take over the world. Thrilling to have met you and be able to watch you on your journey. Thank you. Hey, Cade. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? My name is Cade. I am 16 and my pronouns are they, he. I think at the end of this, everybody's going to have a lot to say about who the heck is this Cade person? Yeah, <laughs> suitably impressed. 
Cade joined me the other day on a national conference about trans safe spaces in Canada. And here it is. I thought I was going to be the one that will have to talk for us. And the next thing I know, Kate is throwing out answers and taking part and taking over. And I love it. <laughs> Kate, you have read the book, The Visitors by Greg Howard. You were tasked with this, a homework assignment. Very quickly, you wrote back to me and said that you were finished the book. I think it was like a week that I finished it in. So what was it about the book itself that caused you to keep turning the pages? It was really good. Like, I I really enjoy books that have queer representation. Am I allowed to say queer? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I know your mom. If you want to swear, you can as well. So it's fine. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to say the word queer? I just know that the older generation of queer people don't like the word queer and the younger generation kind of does i feel seen i yeah. love it but and and it's true and and yeah. i've struggled with it because when i was growing up the word queer was used against us so many times and yeah. when i was talking with greg the same thing took place and slowly but surely we're now in our older age trying to reclaim that word for ourselves it's not as easy that's for sure it's those insights that are great. Yeah, I know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. When I was growing up, there would be no way in heck that a book like The Visitors would have been available. No yeah. way whatsoever. I've mentioned many times that the only queer representation I saw on television, we were usually the bad guy or we played the joke. In the reading part, it was only when we were dying of AIDS. And so I'm thrilled that there are books today that have representation. Have you read many books with main characters that are queer? I've kind of started collecting them now. Before, when I was 12, the same age as the characters, I believe, my only representation in the books was like Percy Jackson and stuff like that. And even then it was never a main character, so. I really like this. The main character of The Visitors is a character by the name of Will Perkins, cisgender white boy growing up in South Carolina who's dealing with a lot of homophobia. One of the best friends is a young girl who has suffered from transphobia in their life. Is that something that you yourself have experienced in your life? Absolutely, yeah living where we do there's a lot of accepting people but there's also a lot of bigots around if you're watching us here on youtube you'll be able to see that there's some flags that are behind Cade. there's going to be a lot of people that will see flags and don't know exactly what that means so what are those flags that we see behind you this one would be the biromantic asexual and the one directly behind me is the non-binary flag Mm -hmm. And that one is the transgender flag. Perfect. And you have them proudly hanging up in your room. I know the answer to this one, but let's give a shout out to Mama Bear a little yes. bit. What is having support from um, your mom in your life? It's amazing. She takes me to Pride Corner and stuff like that. She bought me two of the flags there too, so... It's, yeah. it's great. It would definitely be a very different life if she wasn't as great as she is. And she's out there helping us whenever possible. She's getting to know other people. But the great thing about Mama Bear there is she's not doing the living for you. She's there in the background, pushes you whenever needed, but you're getting the lived experiences and that she's not doing it for you. And so major props to your mom for that. We see her and that's an ally completely. Well, let's focus on this book. And I, of course, I want everybody to go back and listen to the episode with the author when we talked about the visitors in full length. But as a way of a reminder or an introduction, a lonely 12-year-old boy spends his days stuck 
at the deserted Hollow Pines Plantation in Georgetown, South Carolina, with no recollection of his name, how long he's been there, and no idea how to leave. Things never change much for the lost souls at Hollow Pines, and time is strange when you're dead. But when visitors from the living world arrive for the first time in a long while, the boy feels a spark of hope. These visitors are around his age, and they seem to understand more than others that the plantation is not just spooky or eerie. It's a sad place where the unspeakable happened again and again. As the visitors investigate a mystery of their own for a podcast for a school project, the boy's long buried memories begin to shake loose. He wonders if maybe they could help him uncover the dark secrets of his past in hopes of finding a way to finally move on. But Hollow Pines doesn't like visitors. And with this spirit lurking in the shadows and painful memories buried deep, and for a good reason, the boy wonders if he'll ever find his way home or be stuck at Hollow Pines forever. It's a hauntingly beautiful novel and it's filled with lyrical prose. It has a great introduction. Like that's a very good attention grabber. Right. So what was it about the attention grabber at the beginning that hooked you? I think it's the part where Hollow Pines doesn't like visitors and stuff like that. I really liked the ending part where Hollow Pines doesn't like visitors. It's mysterious and it's definitely an attention grabber. I'm very nosy and I like to know what's going on with everything. So that's like very mystery. I enjoy it. And this is not just a sad story. There's that mystery element. There's that suspense that really grabs you. Uh, and you find yourself going, oh, I'm just going to put down this book here with the last 100 pages left. No, no, yeah. it doesn't happen. I know when uh, we were talking, Cage, you were like, yeah, I have to leave Pride Corner because I got to go home and finish this book because I left it in a really good spot. I was really excited to finish it. Yeah. So what were your thoughts about the book, The Visitors? And did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It has a casual trans representation and like it's a, the main character is gay and there isn't a romance forced into the book too, which is, I do like the romance ones, but it makes it more casual and like the casual representation is also very important. Hmm. There isn't that love part to it. I could tell that the, our main character, Will Perkins, wanted to know that other main character of the book a little bit yes. more. I didn't think of it as a romantic thing as well. So I liked it as well because I see a lot of similarities and this is somebody I would like and look up to. Yeah. You obviously read the book very quickly. You went through it. You are very close to the main ages of the characters from the book. Yes. So was there a character that you connected with the most and why? I did connect with Will quite a bit. I really liked his story of growing up near the plantation and not knowing what it was or how scary it was back when it was active. I myself grew up near a residential school and had no idea what it was until I was like 11 and then just it changed everything. So, so when you say it changed everything what do you mean by that? It just changed my view on Canadian history because we weren't taught about them in school despite living right next to a residential school. It was I believe 10 minutes from my school Mm -hmm. And just for uh, people who are listening and may not know a lot about uh, residential schools, residential schools, especially in Canada and the United States, was a place for the church as well as the government to send Indigenous people to. And most of the time, if not all, 100% of the time, it was to eliminate the Indigenous within them, to make them white changing of the names, kids were not allowed to come home. And 
as we've discovered in the last two, three years, a lot of death. And please check out the media, check out resources and find out here in Canada, the number of graves that have been found at residential schools is way too high. There should not be any numbers, but we're in the thousands. And for our listeners in the United States, this is coming as well, this uh, realization and this recognition that we're going through here in Canada. So please uh, speak up, please check out information and make sure things are looked at, shine some light. I'm in the same boat with you, Kate, growing up relatively near to a residential school, didn't know anything. And now I think of me being out and about playing in these areas. I'm taking this as a, oh, I'm going to use this area as a place to spin myself around. But in reality, this is also a spot where a lot of pain and a lot of anguish and death took place to Indigenous FNMI. And yeah, it does change a person's focus. It's, it, it does hurt a lot. And I think what you said about the Indigenous school, I never even made that connection when I was reading for myself. There was a part of me that was like, oh, that's in the United States. So I still haven't made that transition in my mind to have taken the reading and said, oh, it happens here too. Yeah. And I'm still in that moment. So I, it's really insightful for you to mention that, Kate. You mentioned Will as being a character that you connect with. What is it about Will? What what are Will's characteristics that that you would say describes him? Will seems to be a very nervous and quiet kid, um, still being closeted. He just seems to be scared of a lot of things. And he also had issues with bullying and with friends. And I believe that's something that 12-year-old me would have really connected with too. We are listening always at those ages. We can't turn that out. So we hear every single word that gets said and it makes it hard. There is a trans character within the story itself. Do you feel that the author handled that character well in explaining her story? I think they did. It was very casual. There wasn't really any misgendering other than talking about unaccepting family, but it wasn't like the main plot. It was just casually mentioned. And I think that even just the casual representation is very important still. I was very excited when I saw that there was a trans character. Yeah, I figured it would be like, oh, I see me, I see me in there. And that there was these two other friends with the character of Maya, and they're part of her life, the brother, the best friend. But there was also the hint of, you know, that there has been a shift in their friendship. Yeah. But they're going to talk about it, and they're going to discuss it. Communication. Communication is the one of the most important things in friendships. You mentioned earlier that you are now compiling a lot of books that have queer representation and especially with the main character. What is it like reading a book that is you or a representation of what you could be or what you could turn out to be? What is that like for you? It's very exciting. Like I said, my first queer representation in a book was when I was 12. And I really connected with that character. And as soon as I came out, I just started collecting and collecting and getting to keep connecting with different characters. And it's encouraging that even if the characters are in a fictional book, they're still other people out there like you. Mm. I've told the author this, that reading was soothing to the 12 year old me, the teenage me, that I guess I needed some healing myself when it came to a lot of the issues that came in the book. And I hadn't realized that the 12 year old self in me still needed that confirmation and that acceptance. And it's amazing what books can do. You read a lot. I know that. So what, so reading, what does reading mean to you? Reading is a very good distraction. Like with 
COVID, it's like a little escape from the stress of the rest of the world. And I've been reading nonstop since I was 11. And it's a really good distraction. And it's also a great way to connect with other people and with characters, like I said before. There's a lot that's taking place in this book. There's homosexuality, homophobia, transphobia, slavery, suicide. What did you learn from the book? I learned a lot more about the plantations, like a winnowing barn. I had to look up what that was. And me too. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't picture it in my mind. I had no idea what it was. And I'm assuming that those are fairly popular things to see in the U.S., specifically South Carolina, where the book takes place. And, and going with some of the slavery uh, terms and thoughts as well, there was a lot of learning that took place from my end. And I'm old. And thanks for that, Kate. Uh, <laughs> we're constantly learning as we go through everything. At the end of The Visitors, the book ends with the story. But then there's an extra part where the author, Greg, then talks about other things. He talks about why he wrote the book. Yes. He talked about why he, as a cis white male, used slavery as a focus within the book. Suicide, etc. Yes. How beneficial was that for you as a reader to get that part at the end of the book? I love reading authors' notes to know how much of the story is actually theirs, that they've changed names and stuff with. And that makes me really happy to learn that they're not just making it up in their head. They have actual stories to tell, and they're telling it through their own characters. Definitely for everybody who... Um listens to this podcast, do check out uh, the episode with Greg Howard, where he talks about his connections with characters and how he's used some real life uh, situations. In fact, something that I had noticed was a deep love for a grandma figure in his book and the tender, loving care of a grandmother. And I, I don't know your grandparents at all in this case. I know your mother. And I see your mother within the book itself and displaying a lot of those same characteristics. And so that connection, I can see you reading it and going, ah, oh, that's my mom or that's my connection with her. Yeah. This book is written for a young adult audience. It's got a lot of heavy topics, though. It does. Is this a book that you would recommend only for young adults? Or is this a book that can be read by people of any age? I absolutely think that books shouldn't have an age restriction. Like, I read young adult books. I read the occasional children's books and college-level books and stuff like that. I have borrowed college textbooks in my room, so I don't think that there's any book that's too young for you to read. Excellent. Well, I'm going to just give you all my old college textbooks that I never read that I've kept for the last 25 years, collecting dust, That's thinking great. I was going to read it one day, but I'm just going to pass it on to you, bud. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Now, could you see that there could be some controversy that some people might be upset and say, the visitor should not be read by young adults? Of Can you course. see that happening? Yeah, of course. There's especially in the states from what i've seen they have lots of banned books and a lot of them deal with topics like queer people trans people and suicide and slavery like those are very taboo topics but i do think that everyone needs to learn about them and like learn to have empathy for those characters and transfer that onto real people so you would recommend other kids like yourself yes. uh, to read this book? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I sent it to my mom's boyfriend's son to read just after I finished it. And I'm not sure if he's read it yet, but he wanted to. So 
I would definitely recommend it to other people my age. Yeah. Kid, are we able to talk about that dynamic or is that something that we stay away from? Which one? With your mom's boyfriend's kids. Is that something we could talk about or something to stay away from? I really like them, but I don't know how to refer to them because it's just mom's boyfriend's kids. Yeah. And they're not my step siblings. It's more so the step siblings, but it's more so about that your potential step siblings are very yeah. similar to you. Yes. Yeah, I can talk about that. So you have an interesting dynamic within your family structure. Your mom is dating somebody who has children themselves. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about this blended family that's being created and just how uniquely cool it is? Yeah, it's it's really nice. Two of his children are transgender, just like me. And one of them is autistic, like both my brother and I. And we really get along. We, we're on the same wavelength. We have very similar experiences. So... It's really nice. Like I get along with all three of them. So yeah, how cool is that? That that you can feel safe at home and be able to share experiences and the other person will be able to understand someone. Yeah. And and for people listening here, I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this out loud and it's jokingly, you know, in a way, but Cade, are you telling me that you are not the only trans youth in the world? I think there's a lot of me around here, so. Yeah, there's a lot of you, and that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's great because you're speaking, and you're there, and you're visible, and it's up to us adults to protect you at all times and uh, to make sure that we're guiding the way whenever possible and letting you roam free and find yourself, and it's great. Yeah. Well, there's something that's going to take place here, Cade. While we've been chatting, a certain someone has been listening in this entire time. And so for everybody here at home, I would like to bring to your screen and your listening ears, the author of The Visitors. This would be Greg Howard. Hey guys. Hi. Hey well, Kate. Hi. So, are you surprised? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Greg, I was able to look down and see that you were nodding your head at the right time. So I now know that you were able to listen in during this conversation that Kate and I have been having so far about your book, The Visitors. What are your comments? It was such a great conversation. There were, I just, I enjoyed just sitting back and, you know, being a fly on the wall. I mean, the things that you guys were talking about from starting with talking about the word queer, which Douglas and I had talked about on his podcast. Yeah. And I'm one of those, Cade, who uh, Douglas and I are about the same age, but I have totally reclaimed that word. Yeah. And I, I use it all the time. And I do have people my age going, ooh, is it okay for you to say that? <laughs> you yeah. know? So that was very interesting. One of the most moving things that you talked about was how you... Uh, connected the dots from the main character's education about slavery in, yes. in South Carolina to what you guys were taught about the resident schools, which I know a, a little about, but not nearly enough. And I want to learn more, yeah. but I love that you made that connection because it's the similar thing of this terrible thing that happened and, and then Doug was even saying how, you know, he used to see those places as, you know, for his entertainment or, or for play. And I did too. Yeah. This plantation, Hollow Pines, that Hollow Pines is based on, it was like a big playground for me. Had no idea because we weren't taught in schools back then what really happened. And it's really sad to me. You're much younger than I am, but you, you went through the same thing in school with not being taught about that history. And that's mind boggling to me because we want to think we've come so far when in a lot of ways we really haven't. But it was just a, a beautiful conversation to listen to all the way around. I'm so glad that you thought that I represented the trans character well. It's interesting what you said. The character wasn't misgendered except for family members who were, you know, 
There was a, a very prominent publication that was reviewing the book. It's one of those reviews that we all cringe until we see. And it was mostly positive. But at the very end, there were a couple of little negative things, which I'm fine with. But one of them was that I misgendered the trans character. And that really, it, it really bothered me because I would never do that. I, I feel like the reviewer maybe missed the fact that the misgendering came from the trans character's parents. And immediately, Mateo, the brother, says, that's messed up. You know, that's exactly. not right. Exactly. Yeah. So it really bothered me that that publication said that. And we were actually able to get them to retract that because oh, it just, it bothered me great. so much. And, and my publisher tried to make them understand he wasn't misgendering this character. Other characters were, and they were, you know. So I, I appreciate the fact that you did like the character of Maya and you felt she was represented well. Because you were much younger than me. I mean, you were, you said 16, right? Yeah. I'm 55. So, <laughs> you know... Whenever I can please someone your age with things about, you know, your everyday life, that makes me feel better. But I just really loved y'all's conversation. And thank you so much for all the positive things you said. Yeah. And we would have kept in all the negative stuff, too, if Kate had anything. <laughs> Absolutely. That Kate would have been fine. To say no. <laughs> Kate would say that for sure. Hey, Craig, when we did the interview with each other, it was before the book was released. The mm -hmm. book was released on February 1st. What has been the feedback since the book has been released? It's now a month and a half later. Yeah, it's been overwhelmingly positive. And I was very nervous because, you know, again, dealing with suicide in a middle grade genre is like Kate said, that's kind of taboo. And I was afraid I was going to get a lot of, you know, pushback on that. And also as a, as a white writer writing about slavery and having these enslaved characters in the book, I was really concerned about that. But again, I, I think the combination of the author's note that explained why I did what I did and that author's note was so key. And also a couple of articles I've written that have been published about why I wrote about slavery and why I wrote about suicide. I think people are, took the time to understand where I was coming from. So there really hasn't been any negative blowback that I was expecting. So, And readers have said that it's their favorite of my books, which I'm really happy about. People have said they've learned about winnowing barns, like they, <laughs> like Kate. And uh, yeah, both of you, my editor wanted to put the winnowing barn on the cover. Uh, so there's like a visual for everyone to see. We originally had the manor house on the cover, but then she, with a lot of wisdom, she said, you know, we're already setting this on a plantation. I don't think we need to show a manor house of, of people that put other people down and kept yes. other people down, show that grandeur, because that's what we were already taught in school. We were taught about the grandeur, you know? So that's why we went with having the winnowing barn on the cover, but yeah. yeah. The more you know, Kate, in the 70s and 80s, there was a commercial and there would be a rainbow with a star and they would go, the more you know, and that's what we're experiencing right now. I thought that was the gayest thing when I was a kid. It was. It was like the more you know, and I would look around at my parents and go, do you know about me? <laughs> and, and the rainbow, you know, especially. <laughs> I'd have to keep my jazz hands in. That's for yeah. sure. I'd be like, oh, no. Since we last talked, Greg, a lot of stuff has happened in the States and a lot of stuff has happened in the world. There's been a lot of banned books, uh, a lot of... Other things have taken place, especially in Florida with the Don't Say Gay. Is that something that you know about, Kate? Yes. Yes, exactly. I have friends in Florida. What are your friends saying about it? The friends that I have in Florida are straight as of right now, but they have other friends who are not straight. And I think that's a huge issue and it could really affect some people that have like queer parents and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a huge issue. It's very homophobic. Greg, mm -hmm. you're close to that area. What's the wind uh, telling you about what's happening there as well as in Texas? Well, and it's in Tennessee too, right here in my backyard. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, it's incredibly troubling. And, you know, one of the terms they used with the Florida legislation about 
you know, not saying gay or LGBTQ or anything like that from kindergarten to third grade students, they said as not to normalize that language. And as a kid who grew up being made to feel not normal, that's very triggering for me because, you know, here we are decades later and we still have people in power saying you're not normal. You're so not normal. We're not even going to utter your presence. We're not even going to acknowledge your presence. So that's it's very disturbing to me. And it's going to be very harmful to those kids, especially kids who are identifying as queer in some way or do have queer parents. It's very damaging. And, you know, I have my books, Middle School's a Drag, You Better Work, and The Whispers uh, are on these lists, like in Texas. Middle School's a Drag was kind of dragged on Fox News not too long ago for being sickening that it was on these teachers' suggested reading list. And here in Tennessee, not only do we have a county, just one county over that has banned Mouse, which is just a historic graphic novel um, about the Holocaust that every kid needs to read. They have taken that out of schools. And now Tennessee has proposed legislation that would actually endanger librarians for even putting books on the shelves that represent the LGBTQ community. And we are facing that down. And we have a very red Congress or state Senate here. Nashville is a little blue area, as we call it. But, you know, the, the state Senate is state Congress is very anti-gay, anti-trans. And it's just very scary. I, I've talked to progressive librarians who say they want to do what's right for the kids. They also need their health care. You know, they're concerned about losing their jobs. So they're like, what do I do? You know, it, it's just, I have to believe that as, as far back as we're go going, it seems that there's going to be a breaking point because we've had these times in our history when there's regression and regression and regression, and then there's a breaking point and we start moving forward again. So I feel like we're living in that state of regression and I'm just praying that the breaking point will come soon. It better. It better because uh, it's sickening to uh, see what's going on. And you don't have to be a keyboard warrior to be upset. And you don't have to be a keyboard warrior to jump up and listen to that call to action to help out because we're talking about our kids. We're talking about ourselves. We're talking about us as people. Yeah, it's sickening what's, what's taking place. Kate, putting you on the spot here and all that, but do you have questions for Greg based on what you read and some things that you would like to know more about? I watched your episode with Doug. I can't remember if you touched on that or not, but with your own experience, what are the similarities in the book? Well, certainly the setting, you know, because it's set in my hometown. It's set on uh, that plantation that I grew up next door to that we would ride our bikes down there and all that that you read in the author's note. Um, I didn't, when I, when I look at Will's, we, we see Will's backstory throughout the book. And when I look at his experience, I'm very lucky. I did not have a father like that who was physically abusive. Now I was not able to come out and be myself with my father. And, and when I did as an adult, he was very accepting, even though he was a very like country religious man. His response was basically, you're my son and I love you. You know, that's what the response you want from any parent. But I didn't feel like I could, I could talk about who I was. But thankfully, I didn't have an abusive father. The situation with the best friend, with Ronnie, which if you've read the book, you know, is a very delicate situation between Will and Ronnie. That was a situation that I lived through in college where I had a best friend who was very affectionate with me, not in a sexual way, just affectionate and just adored me and all this kind of stuff. And I started developing feelings for him. And at some point, it just got to where it was bottling up so much inside me that I had to tell him. And what, what I told him, which is a little bit different than Will's situation, I said, I think I'm in love with you. And he said, in the moment, he had a very good reaction. He was like, okay, well, 
you know, I'm your, I'm your best friend and I love you. And that was that. And I begged him not to tell anyone. Well, it was, and, and like I mentioned in the book, as soon as I told him that, like the next day I thought, wait a minute, I'm not in love with him. I just, I got my feelings confused because he was a man who was showing me affection and I haven't hardly ever had that, you know, and that's what my heart's desire is. So I kind of got those feelings just crosswired. And I went and told him, you know, you know, I said, you know what, I, I, I'm not in love with you. I just think I got my wires crossed and I just love you. And I love that we're best friends. Well, eventually he went and told everyone that I was in love with him, you know, and it was devastating. And he, through his adult life, has kept telling that story. And I finally had to just cut him out of my life, you know, completely because it was very hurtful. But I wrote that scene where Will's talking about when he tells Ronnie he likes him so much, he's sometimes thinking about kissing him. That was from that exact moment in my life. Other moments, it's interesting. Some people liked This is kind of a fun thing. The character of Cornelius, who is one of the spirits of one of the enslaved characters, a slave ghost at Hollow Pines who's stuck there. And he's this old man that sits on his front porch rocking. And that actually came from a little bit of a supernatural experience I had at this plantation when I was a kid. And Doug, I don't think we even talked about we this. We didn't talk about this, no. Yeah, but I remember this very distinctly. Me and my brother and our two neighbors, we rode, rode our bikes down that road just like the kids did. And when we got through the gates and... You know, we'd heard all these stories about this plantation being haunted. And we look over and the rocking chair on there's one of the slave cabins that is it's in ruins, but it's still there. And the rocking chair was just rocking. And we kind of stopped and we looked at it because we thought it was odd because there was no wind, you know. But it was just rocking back and forth, like creaking. And we thought, well, that's weird. And then we rode our bikes a little further and the bell tower at the chapel at the slave chapel started ringing and we looked back because we were down the live oak lane sort of driveway we looked back and the bell tower the bell was just swinging but again there was no wind so we got really scared <laughs> and we turned around we got out of there but when we went back by that cabin where the chair was rocking there was an elderly black man sitting in that chair in overalls in like work boots and he was sitting there and he was smoking a pipe and looking at us and it scared the bejesus out of us. Now you could say that was our imagination or it really happened. I don't, I don't know, but that was where the inspiration for Cornelius came from. So with your upcoming books that I know that you are writing, because you would never have writer's blocks so you're constantly writing constantly. Are you continuing with this where you're using references to your past to be able to write the stories of today? You know, I, I always do that. My book, The Whispers, was a very personal story about my relationship with my mother. Middle School's a Drag was about when I was a kid and wanted to be an entrepreneur and started all these crazy businesses. This one, of course, has a lot of my childhood in it. The next book I'm writing is about time travel. And it also pulls from kind of the family secrets because I haven't really gotten into that, but we all have a lot of family secrets that we might not know about. You'll probably learn, Kate, <laughs> later on. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, well, they're very interesting stories. So I, I have some of those secrets that I'm pulling into this new time travel book. So we'll see how it goes. But it's really hard to write right now. I mean, we just came out of the pandemic. That was hard enough. I had to finish The Visitors during the pandemic. And now with everything that's going on in the world in Ukraine, it's just so hard to focus. And, and something, Cade, you said earlier reminded me of this, how, you know, we, like, like I as a kid didn't have to think about the slavery part of that plantation if I didn't want to as a white kid. I was talking to friends about who, who say here, who say, oh, I just can't turn on the news. I can't turn on the news. I can't see it. I can't see it. And I get that. I get that. And sometimes I understand that self-care has to come first, but we have to recognize our privilege that we can turn that war off or we can click over to Netflix 
Aaron, we can get on Facebook and just say funny things and all that. That is our privilege. You know, for the people in Ukraine, they cannot turn it off. They are living it 24-7. So I have some anxiety issues like Will does in the book. And so I get thinking about what's going on over there and I get paralyzed and I, I can't write. So I'm trying to work through that right now. Kate, I we haven't talked about this yet, but do you have concrete plans on what you want to do when you quote unquote grow up, even though you're far older than your years? I'm not entirely sure. I know that I want to work in volunteer work for sure, nonprofits, but for like post-secondary, I have no idea what I want. Why the nonprofit route? Why is that something that's interesting? That's just stuff that I enjoy doing with like working with nonprofits and volunteering for other things. It's just stuff I enjoy doing it. I've been doing it for as long as I can remember growing up volunteering. So, so Greg, as one of the elders within this conversation, what advice do you have for Kate? Oh man, I would say when you were just, when he asked you that question, you know, I got uh, hives because when I was your age, I had no idea or I had ideas that turned out not to be the case at all. But it sounds like you have a much more mature outlook than I did when I was 16. And I think that's, that's something that younger people today just have. They're just more mature because of the world we live in. But I would say, follow your heart. I wanted to be a writer from the time I was a, a small kid, and I didn't do it until I was almost 50 years old. You know, I didn't start writing until I was 48. So follow your passion follow your heart, but also don't put too much pressure on yourself. You you know, you're still, I don't want to call you a kid. You're not a kid, but you're still a young person and you need to have all the life experiences of a young person. So it sounds like you have a wonderful supportive home. So just lead in, lean into that. Yeah, absolutely. And to go with this, I've never talked about it on this podcast as well. Um, I'm a school teacher by trade. i became a school teacher because I wanted my mom's love and affection. And my mom's a wonderful person, but I was worried if I came out, would my parents love me? And so mm -hmm. if I became a teacher, then I have something that I'm connected with my mom. She can't get rid of me then if I'm another teacher. That's my mentality. And then I started wow. teaching a junior high school at the age of 21 after graduating. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, then I ran away to China and taught there. And then I realized, oh, I do love this. It's just not teaching junior high with the hormones. Right. It was teaching right, adults. Right. And so you find your path when the path is there. And of course, you've got a support team here as well. But You've got that attitude of that yes and just find whatever road that's going to be because it's going to be paved in light. You've got this. Totally have it. And Greg has just met you, but he already can see the light around oh, you. Absolutely. And you've add us to more people that are your biggest cheerleaders and always absolutely. will be. Let's come to the end of this conversation because it's it's one of those ones that we can talk about books forever and we can talk about this book here as well. Definitely. Kate. You read The Visitors. You yes. read the book. Tell us why people should go and get this book from their independent bookstore first, and if they need to find it elsewhere, if they can do so. Why would you recommend the book called The Visitors by Greg Howard? I just think it's a really good book. Like, I wasn't able to put it down for a couple of days. I read it until, like, one in the morning, and then I felt it the next day, but... It was, it was a really good book. It has great conversation topics and representation. And it's it's got a good plot twist. And those are always fun. Plot twists for the win. And of course, we're talking vaguely here because you have to go out and uh, read it yourself. And it's recommended for people of all ages. And that's what's nice as well. Greg, final words about the visitors. Of course, you're going to be back on the show in the future for other things as well. But The Visitors, why well, should people read the book? 
many, many reasons, but I'll, I'll bring it back, bring it down. If, if you are someone who feels uh, unseen, who feels like you have been pushed to the margins, I think you will find yourself in this book in some way. And <clears throat> if you are not one of those people, if you are someone who lives within the margins of the dominant discourse, you will learn about people and learn to find empathy for those people. And that's why I think it's just as important for cisgender, straight, white, Christian kids to read stuff like The Visitors, because they can learn about people who are different than themselves. But the most important thing is, yes, there's a lot of heavy topics in this book, but the, the overall overarching message in this book is hope. And I don't throw out all these heavy topics and leave the characters mired in them at the end of the book. You know, there is light at the end of the book. There's hope at the end of the book, just as there's hope for all of you out there who feel othered or marginalized. There's always hope and you deserve your happily ever after like anybody else. Hmm. Can't do anything better than that to end on, yeah. that's for sure. Well, this is the first of, I hope, many conversations about books. The great thing is, is with this podcast is being able to talk to people like Greg, V.S. Holmes, Kansas Jane Dorsey, who have been all on previous episodes and being able to read their books. And then you discover other people who love their books as well. And that English teacher in me wants to come out every once in a while and talk. And so we're going to continue. We've got some things on planned behind the scenes. So take a look at future episodes when we do have uh, conversations about books. And if you want to join in and be part of a book talk, please reach out to me. We'd love to have you as well. So first of many, and Craig, thank you for your book. Thank you for immediately saying, yes, let me jump in at some point and listening. And Cade, I don't think I really have to say anything here, uh, but uh, you know that you are a rock star and uh, it's just amazing. And uh, big props to your mom as well. Mama Bear's yes, doing good. Absolutely. She'll be watching this right away. So oh, I know. So I probably have to send her the link and everything. And but, thank uh, you guys for letting me jump in. I appreciate it. Much, much appreciation. We have so much more. It's your stories. It's our stories. And so let's continue to be smitten with new people each and every week. On behalf of Cade and Greg, go out, read The Visitors. Come back next time for Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. I'm here to remind you to always be good. And please text when you get home. Until next time, everybody.